Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego. And my name is Charlotte Pressler, and I am the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I am Hannah Wilder, and I am the curate at St. Mark's Episcopal Church in City Heights, San Diego. And we are each at our respective homes, staying there as we have been told to do. Uh, We are connecting again, sponsorship opportunity over Zoom, uh, and recording ourselves that way. So uh, we are all quarantined, uh, and we have the joy of some quarantine background noise you may hear, because uh, my wife, Mary Lynn, and I, who's been on the podcast before, are both working from home. She's actually doing a live stream of uh, Children's Chapel for St. Andrew's Pacific Beach right now. So if you hear some nice music and uh, book reading or something, uh, just take it as, uh, you know, podcast faith to go extra for the week. Um, we are here and happy to have Hannah Wilder, the Reverend Hannah Wilder, back on the show. Yes, welcome back, Hannah. For second time. Thank which you. puts her in the echelon of her wife, Kathy Wilder, and my wife, Mary Lynn Coulson, as a face-to-go all-star. So, Hannah, how do you feel about that? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Although, you know, I always knew this day would come. Yeah. I just knew it would be here. <laughs> this is the hope, you know, this is the, the, the hope in things left unseen, you know. Uh, that's that's that, right. That is the faith. This is what having faith is that's about. the faith right. in the faith-to-go podcast, really. Um. <laughs> So, Hannah, uh, like every week when we have a guest, uh, we want to ask you about your ministry context, but we know that we have heard about your ministry context before at St. Mark's in City Heights. We're interested in kind of an update on your ministry context. So, like, in the midst of the coronavirus and the stay-at-home policy here in California, uh, where are you? What have you been doing? What is going on with your work at St. Mark's? How is St. Mark's going? Just update us on on all the things yeah okay well first of all thanks for having me back i'm super excited to be here i love your podcast it helps me so much in my daily life and work i really do listen to it before i write a sermon and it's just wonderful so thank you for this service and um at saint mark's we are a small congregation we have about 30 people on a sunday and so we've been experimenting with different ways to connect like instead of just me and Father Richard and our musician, like putting out our Zoom call, we've made it so everybody can sign on and be a participant and be seen and heard on the Zoom call. So it feels very egalitarian. And that really leads me to where I've seen God working this week. Um, after our church service on Sunday, which completely failed to connect to Facebook Live, and I was feeling like such a failure because it didn't work. And then I talked to my friend Charlotte and she was like, oh, ours didn't work either. And so anyway, I think Facebook has got its issues sorted out. But after our church service, we just stayed on and we had a virtual coffee hour. And I really saw God working in the connections being made in that little Zoom time of maybe 20 or 30 minutes. 
And we had somebody that joined that hadn't been to church in three years. And we had somebody that's um, in his wheelchair who joined in. And we had one of our um, homeless friends who frequents our food pantry. And it was just amazing to see people checking in on each other and talking about how they're getting through. And like, it was just like a, a glorious moment of mental health online. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, ours, yeah. Our, uh, our stream didn't work to go, to go live on Facebook either. So that was a fun moment of adapting on Sunday morning on the fly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was. Um, uh. Awesome, yeah. So uh, we are all in a similar situation out here. I know I'm sure all of you at your respective churches or in your jobs and things are just like constantly kind of scrambling to respond to the new guidelines and the new things that we have to do and trying to figure out all this stuff online. So we hope that you are finding some hope in that and and we are you know, keeping you all in prayer and one another in prayer as we continue to try to respond to just the crazy things that are happening just around us all the time that, that, you know, it's so hard to constantly be reacting to things, but that's kind of where we're at. Um, so thanks Hannah for sharing. Adapt and change. That's right. Thank you for sharing about St. Mark's. You're welcome. Uh, and about where you saw God (laughs) and we are going to get to the gospels for this week because Nick, this upcoming Sunday, when you're listening to this will be, Palm slash Passion Sunday, where we hear the narrative of Jesus's triumphal entry into uh, Jerusalem, and then his, the story of his passion, of his um, trial, suffering, and death on the cross. So uh, it's going to be weird this year because uh, for many of us, at least for all of us in California, the other states with stay-at-home policies, and really just across the country where no one can actually gather for church uh, for the foreseeable future, we're going to be doing these services from home remotely. People are going to be watching them. We're not going to have that. Like it just it has given me a new appreciation for how important our embodiment is as a as a community together. You know, like thinking about not being able to do that procession of the palms into the church that we usually do, not being to being able to like you know be in the congregation as people. You maybe in your church act out the passion narrative or do like some sort of dramatic reading of it. Just all these things. It's just so weird. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's also this invitation to us to figure out like how is Christ present in all these things that we are doing. You know, if we can't. Uh, Hannah sent me this article from James Farwell, who's the liturgic professor at Virginia Theological Seminary, and he would hit this whole reflection about. Uh, about worship in the time of the quarantine. And he's saying, you know, we have this opportunity now to recognize that, that the Eucharistic service is both word and sacrament and that Christ is fully present in both of those. And so now we're going from emphasizing that sacrament part to emphasizing that word part. So like, as we're so far away from each other, what we can always connect on still is the word. So how do we recognize Christ's full presence in the word as we hear it? So that's what we're trying to do here. You know, that's what we're trying to do on this podcast every week. And so we have a, you know, a continued uh, invitation to try to to recognize Christ's presence as we hear the word today. So all that to say that we are going to, going to be talking about the readings for Lent 6, which is Palm and Passion Sunday. What we're going to do is uh, Charlotte is going to read the um, narrative of the palms of Jesus's entry. Hannah's going to give her point. Then we'll then Charlotte will read the passion narrative. And Charlotte and I will each give a point. 
And we're going to keep it short because those are some long readings. So, uh, Charlotte, would you please read the narrative of the Palms, Matthew 21, 1 through 11. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophets, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. All right, so that is the narrative of the Palms, the entry into Jerusalem. And uh, we're in Matthew 21, which is uh, seven verses before the end of Matthew's gospel. So there's still a good amount of gospel uh, left after this triumphal entry. That is one point of context is that the next reading, the, the passion narrative, is from chapter 27. So there's six or seven full chapters of Jesus in Jerusalem. So it's not just like entering to Jerusalem straight to um, Pilate and the trial. It's like Jesus enters, he does the like flipping of the tables, you know, he talks about the, he does, tells a bunch of parables about watchfulness, and he has all these conversations with his disciples, they have the Passover, so there's a lot left uh, in between these two things. So we are reading them consecutively, but there's a lot of space in between, so just keep that in mind, that a lot of things happen between the entry and the passion. So Hannah has the point for this uh, Palms narrative. I'm thinking about the image of people spreading their cloaks and palm branches on the ground and, you know, making a preparation for this beautiful moment and how in our lives we prepare things. We prepare for Lenten programs. We prepare events. We, pre you know, we've been planning weddings. And then in the blink of an eye, everything changes and there's so much fear and uncertainty about the future. And it really throws us into a time of turmoil when our beliefs and our faith are challenged. And when that happens, I know that I tend to want things to go back to the way they were. And I want people and everything to get in shape up. And I don't often think about realigning myself. And um, instead of going back to the way life was before, to think about the opportunity that turmoil gives. I think that often I would pray to God to fix the problem and end the turmoil, or I would try to escape from the turmoil. But, you know, with this coronavirus, um, there is no escape and there's no easy answer. And I think with Jesus's journey to the cross, you know, there's no escape. There's no easy answer. The cross is coming. And that turmoil is revelatory. 
it suggests that thing about our life or our faith or our way of being or the way we were living is not in alignment with what God wants to bring about. And we know this is true because after Jesus enters Jerusalem, he goes into the temple and brings more turmoil, you know, flipping over tables and driving out those who are buying and selling the way to God. He overturns tables and businesses of those who are acting as gatekeepers to God. He's not this like saccharine, sweet, Hallmark card kind of person. He's a man of turmoil. And that turmoil brings us to a place of knowing that we need to realign our lives with God, realign our relationships um, to die to ourselves and to break open our lives in ways that we never expected or thought possible. And then out of that chaos, Jesus brings new life which can be born. Yeah. Okay, so I think that uh, brings us right to the trial and the passion narrative then. Uh, Matthew 27, 11 to 54. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You say so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now the festival, at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. And so after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that innocent man. For today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? All of them said, let him be crucified. Then he asked, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Jesus saw that he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, His blood be on us and on our children. So he released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting some thorns into a crowd, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand and knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. After mocking him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. 
as they went out, they came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon that compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his clothes among themselves by casting lots. Then they sat down there and kept watch over him. Over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two bandits were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and the elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he wants to. For he said, I am God's son. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, truly, this man was God's son. All right. Thank you, Charlotte. Uh, and uh, let's just keep it going because you have the second point based on this gospel. I do. That is a matter of fact. Um, and as I read this, during this past week, and I really considered what was ahead for all of us. Each time I read it, I kept considering the power of the words in this, the power of the words that were said, and then the power of words that were not spoken. Um, and we hear in this, I don't know how many times, it, several times in this reading, we hear that Jesus was mocked and Jesus was ridiculed. Um, and not just, well, even more so than the ways that he was beaten. I kept thinking about the power of those words, those words that are used to hurt and to shame. And I thought back to like childhood and that nursery rhyme that we all hear, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And we all know that's not true. 
We know in our heart of hearts that words have the power to cut the same way that a knife does. And that the things that are said in anger um, or in fear, the words that we choose to say can cause wounds that carry on long past any bruise on your skin or a cut on your hand, that we can carry those wounds the rest of our lives. And here we are with Jesus, who has traveled and had his ministry and processed triumphantly, and we've traveled through Holy Week, and all of a sudden the words that he's hearing, and it's not all of a sudden, but in this context, the words that he's hearing, all of these words are horrible words. Um, And it's the entire crowd cheering for Barabbas um, instead. And even though Jesus knew the whole time, like, this is the way my life is supposed to go. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what God has called me to. I just keep thinking about how hard that must all have been. And the pain of his soul um, as he listened to being mocked and ridiculed and betrayed over and over again in this. And then after I consider all of those words, those words that were spoken, I think about the ones that weren't said, the ones that Jesus never uttered to defend himself. He never once said, called the people out on what they were saying about him. He never defended himself to Pilate. He just sat there and took it all. And he took it all for all of us. But those words, those words that are said and those words that are not said are especially mindful to me right now in our current context and how we speak to each other um, in the compassion that we show to each other while we are all secluded um, and in the ways that when we need to, we take a deep breath and step aside rather than losing our temper on each other. And none of those opportunities, those opportunities for words that we say or words that we don't say are anything near the magnitude of what Jesus was going to. But in our current context, our words are equally powerful too. We get to choose the ones that we say and if they lift people up and if they engage them and if they share the message of God's love with the world or if they don't. Mm -hmm. And so that his lack of words leads to uh, the point that I want to, the part that I want to highlight, which is Jesus's death and not just his death, but the apparent like ramifications for the entirety of creation uh, for that moment of Jesus dying. And, you know, this is like a part in the Gospels that I feel like I don't think about a whole lot, but every time it comes up, I'm like, what is going on here? Because, uh, you know, I always, I remember, you know, so like Jesus dies, the curtain in the temple is ripped open. I remember that. And then it says the rocks... Um, the rocks, the whole, the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And not only that, but after his resurrection, meaning Jesus's resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. So like Jesus must have led this like entire procession of formerly dead people that had been resurrected into Jerusalem to appear to everybody, apparently. Um, so this is just kind of, this whole thing is kind of crazy. These like, you know, miraculous kind of cosmic events. And the thing that struck me about all of these is just like Jesus's whole, and Hannah alluded to this in her point, Jesus's whole mission here in his ministry, in his life and in his death was to continue to try to help people see how available God is to them. You know, that 
that God is not distant, that God is not completely other, that God is like dwelling in them, that that they have this inherent connection to the divine, that God loves you no matter what, that you are, that God is like dwelling in you all the time. And I think of this like, it's so interesting that Jesus' death, Jesus's death cracks things in half and breaks them open, you know, and it's almost like, because, you know, like the, the tearing of the curtain is symbolic in like the idea that behind that curtain was supposed to be the dwelling place of God. And so to rip the curtain in half in the temple means to say, kind of like let God out of the box or something, you know. But like, I love yeah. that, like, that also happens with this rock, this like normal part of creation, this kind of what we would see as just kind of this like inert piece of matter, you know, that doesn't have any sort of experience or, you know, any kind of um, way of, of being other than just kind of being there. But that even this rock can be cracked open to, rev- to like reveal God's presence in it. And not only that, but like th- to break apart it, it God's presence is even broken open. If you break open death, God is there too, you know? And so like in where we are right now is this place of so much suffering and increasing like amount of cases of the coronavirus in our country and in the world, an ever increasing number of deaths in the world. So much suffering for people that have it, people that are worried about people who may get it, people who are, who love people that have it and are dying. And it's just like, I just see here Jesus's death being the thing that cracks open death for all of us and shows God's presence in the midst of that. Doesn't make it feel any less like death. Doesn't make it feel better. Doesn't take the suffering away. But it is, again, this constant reminder that God is present in all things and that Jesus's death in some amazing cosmic way cracks everything open and shows us shows us God, you know, that shows the possibility of relationship even in the midst of death and suffering and the newness that can happen from it. So that is three points. Um, point number one was Hannah's, and it was about the triumphal entry and, and just like the importance of turmoil in Jesus's ministry, that Jesus uh, came to shake things up, to break up the status quo. And to bring us to something new. Um, Charlotte's point was number two, and that was about um, those words that are said and those things that are unsaid uh, in the story and how we have the, the capacity to hurt with our words and to be aware of what we are saying and what we're not saying. And number three was mine and just this like cosmic, um, the kind of like cosmic aftermath of Jesus's death of breaking things open and revealing God's presence in everything, even the places we would least expect to find God. So um, we hope you all uh, check out that those two Gospels, hear them on Sunday, think about them throughout the week as you go move towards the, the Sunday of the Palms and the Passion. We want to hear from you. You can email us, faithtogo at edsd.org. Uh, check out all those Faith to Go resources for Faith at Home. Uh, with you and your family and your own reflections. Uh, you can contact us on Instagram at faith to go or through the website www.myfaith2go.org. I want to thank Hannah Wilder for being here again, all-star edition. Hannah thank Wilder. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you so much. And we hope you have a fantastic and hopeful uh, week leading up to the Palms, and we'll be back 
uh, for Holy Week with some special resources for Holy Week that you can use throughout the week next week. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.